0: Thank you. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23. No. You may be seated. Put on the screen, please, Acts 13 verse 36. I have the word of the Lord tonight, and I'm excited to preach it to you. The Lord's been dealing with me all, all day Acts 13, verse 36. And it says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. That means death. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. We understand from this text that David had a purpose in his generation. And we understand that if David had a purpose in this generation, along with many other scriptures that talk about our purpose... We have a purpose in this generation. Amen. To ask this question, what was David's purpose in his generation? To ask that. What was David's purpose? Now, God had chosen Moses, and you can leave that scripture up. God had chosen Moses, and he was a deliverer. Well, he, let's go all the way back. We told Adam, but he failed. And over and over, man failed. And even though Enoch walked with God and was no more, there was on and on and on, a failure in leadership in, in the human race. And, and Moses failed and didn't go into the promised land. But he did succeed being the most humble man in the earth, bringing God's people out of the house of bondage. But he was supposed to take them into the promised land, but they couldn't believe. And they, you know, Joshua and Caleb believed, but the rest didn't spread a bad report. And they didn't go into the promised land. And they had to wait a whole generation. And Joshua came along, and he was there, and he was strong with Caleb. And in their 80s, they went into the promised land. Amazing. And what they did in the promised land was to evict the intruders there, to evict the inhabitants of the promised land because the sin had now come to fullness. And we see that when God spoke, speaks to Abraham, I'm going to give you the land, but their sin has not reached his full measure. There's a point when God will say, now that's enough. Yes. That's right. And so in Joshua's day, really in Moses' day, but Moses failed. Forty years had to go by and Joshua takes them in. And they begin to evict those that were in the promised land. Little by little. And I love that scripture that says God gave them the promised land little by little. Because if he gave it to them all at one time, then the wild beasts would run it over. So little by little, as they move forward in faith, God gave them the promised land. But one of the great tragedies of Joshua is that they didn't finish the job. What do you mean they didn't finish the job? They left the Jebusites there. They left different ones that are supposed to be evicted. They left them there. And it's not until King David and when David comes, Samuel comes, none of his words fell to the ground. The great prophet Samuel, the the the, the son of Hannah pointed to David. And and David was a man after God's own heart. The ruddy shepherd boy, who the sweet psalmist of Israel. And he's chosen by the Lord for what purpose? To complete the conquest. Yes. And to be one who would be, uh, through his generations, would come the Messiah. And earthly kings wouldn't do the job, really, but to, to point to the Messiah and a promise that was spoken to, to David that his, and one of his ancestors will be on the throne forever and ever. And Jesus comes in the lineage of David. David had a purpose. His purpose was to complete the conquest. You have a purpose. I have a purpose in our generation. Okay. Now turn to 2nd Samuel chapter 23. Second Samuel twenty-three. I want you to find verse eight, and let's all stand up on our feet. That's a custom we have here in honor of God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will remain, will endure forever. Can I have some monitor right here, please? Thank you. Second Samuel twenty-three, verse eight. These are the names of David's mighty warriors: Joshua, shebeth maybe was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, the son of Dodai, the Ahohite. As, as one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when he taunted the Philistines and gathered at Pasdamin for battle. Then the Israelites retreated but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shama. When the Philistines banded together at the place, there was a field full of lentils, Israel troops fled from them, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David, at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At the time David was in the stronghold and the Philistines' garrison was at Bethlehem and David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord and he said in verse 17, far be it for me, Lord, to do this. He said, it is not the blood of men, who went at the risk of their lives, and David would not drink it. And such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do tonight in the moments that remain in the service. We pray that you would give us living understanding, that you would move in great power, that you would anoint these lips of clay once again, as you've been so gracious to do. So many times before, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross and these words, Lord, would burn in all of our hearts. Release encouragement. Release strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The place is pas damin. That means hand of the foot, soul of the foot, or blood of the hand. Or blood of the, blood of the soul of the foot is what pas damin means. God has anointed us in such a way in this hour that we're putting our foot into some things and is really releasing tremendous warfare. I won't ask you to raise your hand because some of you won't lift your hand no matter what I say, but the truth is I know that we are in the midst of some tremendous warfare. This field, and we're going to look at these three mighty men and we're going to take the, this text and we're going to tie it together Uh, for our own lives, where we're at as a church, where we're at as as individuals, where we are corporately in this tremendous hour, how to thrive in the day of trouble is the name of the message. How to thrive in the day of trouble. This is the greatest hour of harvest that there has ever been in all of mankind. There has never been so much information at the very tip of our fingers through, through devices. And this is an hour when there's more perversion and more pollution taking place than in any other hour in history. And yet, it's an hour when there's more people on the planet than there has ever been. An hour when we have more revelation from God's Word than we have ever had before. And there's more, yet there is a tremendous harvest that's ahead. And the enemy is stinking upset by the fact that we're reaching souls. I want you to remember this church is about reaching the lost. It is what we are about. It's about equipping the saints for the work of ministry to reach the lost. It's about reaching the lost. There has been a the the great Billy Graham has passed away. And the Lord showed me today like a mantle being released over the United States. And really all who would take it up is a mantle of evangelism upon this next generation. God wants to give you a burden. God wants to overwhelm you with His goodness. But you're going to step into some blood. There's going to be some bloodshed that's ahead. But be of good cheer. God has overcome the world. And we are more than a conqueror through Him. But understand that there's a battle on for souls. Who's gonna pick up the mantle of Billy Graham? Come on. Come on. I will. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. There's been some nonsense that has said, well, it's just easy back in that day to fill stadiums with people. Are you kidding me? If it was easy, everybody was, would have been doing it. God anointed that man who walked the earth 99 years, tremendous. God saved him when he was 15 years old. You never heard of a scandal. Praise God. Finally, somebody finished a race. I'm sure there's others, but this man was a pastor to presidents and used mightily around the world. I believe the days of harvest are upon us like never before. But if you're experiencing warfare right now, welcome to the human race. Welcome to the barley field that's full. It's ripe. It's filled with souls. And we're going to have to contend for it. David contended and fought even though he failed concerning the issue of Bathsheba. Let's look at this text. Beshebeth, I think is how you, how you said, he killed 800 in one encounter. That's impressive. We're gonna glean from that about how to have victory. I'm gonna teach you how to win in the day of trouble. It is a day of trouble. But it's a day of great victory. Shama, which means the Lord is there, defended a field against the Philistines. And in doing that, pardon me, Eleazar is the second man. Eleazar, fighting with the sword, that froze to his hand. A, a barley field, or a field full of lentils, depends on what, what version you read and where you read that. This told in a couple different places in Chronicles as well. He defended a barley field when everybody else ran. And Shama. So there's three Joshua, Beshebeth, Eleazar, and Shama. The three mighty men, and it is assumed that they are the ones that broke through then to get this drink of water for David. They loved David and wanted to serve him and help him. One of the reasons that David had such success in his generation was he had a band of people contending along with him. There never is one man. And if if you were to talk to Billy Graham, he'd say the same thing. Tremendous warriors and prayer warriors all around him. It wasn't just a Billy Graham show. It was a team of people contending and fighting, and that's what made David great. So how to win in the day of trouble? The first thing is, don't be intimidated. Can you imagine being th- this first guy? I have no idea. I'm just going to call him Jeb, What is his name? What's it? How do we say it? Jesus, help me. I know you guys aren't chiming all in. It's not like Jim. <laughs> Josheb, all right? We'll call him Josheb. Can you imagine being Josheb and facing 800 people? Do you know how intimidating that would be? Do you know how he, I'm sure, wanted to run? One great preacher said, do it afraid, that's what courage is, that you might feel intimidated by the task of bringing healing to your marriage, but do it anyway. You might be feeling intimidated by moving forward in your business, but obey the Word of the Lord, move forward, and God will bless you. You might be intimidated with tithing, with giving, with praying. Challenge yourself, and God will give you victory. If you're going to be victorious in this tremendous day of trouble, if you're going to win in the day of." trouble, you cannot be intimidated by the enemy. Amen. The name of the game in spiritual warfare is intimidation and if he can get you scared, turn, heel, and run, you already lost. Right. Josheb, he, he could have been intimidated by the task, but he wasn't. Turn to, turn, turn to the book of Revelation, please. Genesis, Exodus, Revelation. That's not an order. In Genesis chapter 12, now I don't want to get into all the eschatology about this. I just want to glean a simple truth prophetically of where we're at. There appeared a great sign in heaven, verse 1, woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and twelve garland of 12 stars around her head. 12 is a significant number. 12 tribes, 12 disciples. 12 is a governmental number. It's a picture of apostolic authority, I believe. Picture of a church that is walking in power and authority. I've shared on some of this before. The sun and the moon under her feet. Come on, God, has got authority in the heavenlies. She's pregnant. She cried out in pain, was about to give birth. And then another sign. I want to tell you that we are about to give birth to something that we have never seen before. When we begin to rise up in apostolic authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, or the Word of God picking up even a mantle of Billy Graham to reach the lost, to, to equip the saints, to do what God's called us to do, the enemy is nervous, so he's there trying to devour it even before it's born. And so here's this great dragon. The dragon comes, this red dragon, seven horns, seven crowns on its head. A tail, its tail swept a third of the stars. It's talking about Satan flung to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who's about to give birth. I mean, what a picture. What a horrifying picture. Here's, and if we could just call the woman the church, the body of Christ, or if we could just say the woman is this church. With a garland of 12 stars, walking in power, walking authority, about to birth something, there is a move of God coming that we have never experienced before. There's a great outpouring. Oh yes, we're birthing a building too, but the building is just to house it. It's actually not it at all, but we need a bigger building. We far out, out, out use this one. And so as we're about to birth this move of God, and it is souls, and it is the power of the kingdom, it's freedom. To the captives, opening of prison doors, the enemy's nervous. I've encouraged myself, and I certainly don't want to give him publicity. I've encouraged myself, anytime warfare picks up, I say something that my pastor told me years ago. Well, devil must be nervous. So if you're experiencing some warfare, happy Hanukkah. Because warfare is what happens many times before you're going to get the breakthrough. So here's this. I mean, what a horrible, terrifying picture. But I love it, it says she gave birth. <laughs> she gave birth anyway. Stupid dragon. Guess couldn't get it, but what's the problem? A male child rule the nation of the iron. The child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. And then this tremendous anthem takes place. War broke out. Michael, angels fought, and uh it goes on and and heard a loud voice in heaven. And it's really exciting here, verse uh, 10. Now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of his brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. All right, and I've preached on that before. But allow me some liberty prophetically where I believe we're at. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much to shrink from Jeff. Joshab didn't shrink back. Hebrews 10 talks about those who shrink back into destruction. If you're going to win, you're going to have to get in the fight. You're going to have to lace up your gloves. You're going to have to pray. And we war not against flesh and blood. And I'll talk about that. And and come on, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm going to get into Ephesians here in a second. But this is powerful. If you're going to live and walk the life of victory in the day of trouble, which we are clearly in. Then you're gonna have to just not be afraid of, of dying, basically. Wow. Wow. So it's this exciting anthem. And then it says, Therefore rejoice in you in heaven, those who live in. Woo, Satan's been cast down, but woe Whoa. to the earth. Everybody say, Woe. Because the devil has gone down to you. Wow. Yes. He's filled with fury. Because he knows time is short. That's where we're at, by the way. This is where we're at. He is furious. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a a lion that prowls around seeking whom he may devour. But he's toothless for those who are submitted under the mighty hand of God. I believe when we move in apostolic authority and power, planting churches. We're going to plant a whole lot more churches too. We're gonna build more buildings. If you think this is the last building we build, you're wrong. Sorry, Wally. We're gonna build more buildings. God's gonna raise up other Wallys. God's gonna raise up other people. We're gonna see a great move of God. And there is great warfare. Pas damin. We're in a field that's full of lentils, but the enemy's so nervous about it. Don't be intimidated. Come on, tell your neighbors they don't be intimidated. There's a very real enemy that wants to attempts to put lies in your mind and if he can get you to believe the lie then he will get you just frozen, the frozen chosen. Right. Come on, God's called you, he can do it. Yeah. In the midst of a crooked and a depraved generation, he's called you to be like this guy. You know what his name means? The one who's seated. You know what that means? The one who's seated in authority and knows who he is. That's what it means. He's he seated, like, seated at the gate, the, the seat of authority, the, the county seat. You ever heard that? Well, where, where's, the, where's, the, where's the county seat, the, the, the seat of the government? What does that mean? It means where is the place where all the decisions are made? The, his name means the one who's seated. Amen. It's one who has authority, one who can rule. Don't be intimidated by the enemy. Be seated in your authority. Know who you are because you'll never win if you don't know that. you shrink back to some particular task or ministry or business and you're not going to win Amen. I wrestled uh for years uh years and years and years I wrestled and um I don't know there was just something about something about the guy that you would wrestle that we called him a fish is there any wrestlers out there anybody ever wrestled Okay, do you know what a fish is? A fish is somebody that shakes your hand like a fish. So you get out there, you're about to wrestle, and the first thing you do is shake hands. That's the first thing you do. So you get to the line, the ref is there, and they're like, shake hands. And you do this shake hand thing, and if he gives you a fish, i want in the first 30 seconds if I had a fish. Because, Because a limp Handshake and timidity just meant, oh, I'm gonna crush your bones. (laughs) Now the guy, the guy that would come, come on, have you ever wrestled, Wally? Did you wrestle? Here, come here, Wally. Now don't take me down or anything. But the guy, the guy that shook your hand, so you're, you know, you're facing off and you shake hands. The guy that shook your hands and said, I'm gonna kill you. You know that that's different. That's different than a fish. Thanks, Wally. That's different than... Come on, Jesus gave His one and only begotten Son so you can walk in authority and power. Not so that you can be a fish, you understand? Not so that you can be like limp-wristed and lame and weak and afraid and scared. He's given you authority to trample on scorpions. Come on, and every power of darkness is under the yaw to write scriptures on the bottom of your shoes. Hebrews 10, 39, but we belong to those who don't shrink back. There are those who shrink back into destruction, but we have faith and are saved. The second principle here in how to have victory, how to win in the day of trouble, the first one is don't be intimidated. Say it. Don't be intimidated. The second one is fight on when other people run. Don't run. Continue to fight even though others may leave. Others may quit. Winners never quit. And quitters never win. Your dad probably told you that. And if he didn't, I'm telling you now. That's the case. If you quit, you'll never win. I will tell you that in times of my life when I just wanted to throw in the towel were the moments of tremendous breakthrough right on the other side. Like literally like the other day. I call it Ziklag before Zion. Another story in the life of David. When he's about to be coronated So he's gone from pillar to post. He's about to be made king. He had a prophetic word from some crazy, wild-eyed Samuel. You're going to be the king. But yeah, he's living in caves and running for his life for years. And the day that he's about to, three days before he becomes coronated as king, he loses everything, so he thought. Ziklag is burned with fire. And his men want to kill him. And he's been lying and he's been stealing and he's just been trying to figure it out. He's he's gotten the word from Gad. He's gotten the word from the prophet, but he didn't obey it. He's constantly the man after God's own heart. He encourages me because he failed so miserably. You know, we see David. Oh, David, at Ziklag, the great man of God. Are you kidding me? He was ripping people off. He was lying to, to the, the Philistines, lying to people. Going, I mean, he was just, he was on raiding parties. And then he would lie and try to figure it out. And he wasn't obeying the word of the Lord at all. The word of the Lord was to stay in Israel. I'm going to take care of you. But he would, he would leave. He'd go to the Philistines. Ah, I'm scared. I'm going to go to the Philistines because Saul, he's afraid of the Philistines. And I'm just going to lie and act crazy over there and put spittle on my beard. I mean, he didn't trust in God at all. Reminds me of you. Reminds me of me. You know, so so often trying to grasp for things. That's David. David's encouraging to me, man after God's own heart. So at Ziklag, it's three days before the big promotion, and the enemy burns them out. I've preached on it before. Ziklag before Zion. Some of you are facing incredible incredible odds against you. I'm gonna tell you that nothing with God, nothing is impossible. And if you feel like it's darkest, dark right now, and you can't see your way out of a paper bag, you can't see the forest from the trees, it must be that the devil is nervous. Don't quit. Don't run. Don't be intimidated. Continue to stand your ground and see the deliverance of the Lord. Continue to move forward in in power and authority. Don't be moved by the ugliness of his face or how, how hot the battle is. Let it encourage you. God's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. Come on, say amen in the house of God. Fight on when other people leave. You know, it's encouraging to be in the crowd. Thank God for, you know, thank God for encouraging times like this. You're being encouraged right now. Thank God for that. We all need that. But there's times when you're going to stand alone. There are Gethsemane moments. Where you've, you've tried to get a hold of your small group leader. You tried to get a hold of your prayer partner. You tried to get a hold of somebody from the church. And they just can't get back to you fast enough. There are moments that are designed and allowed by the Lord to mature you. You asked God to make you a man of God, a woman of God, and now you're in the middle of your Gethsemane. Suck it up, buttercup. Come on. You can make it. Gethsemane means oil press. Some of you are being squeezed and lemon juice is coming out. Whining and complaining and God's about to give you a coronation but you can't shut your mouth. There's comfort in the crowd and God knows we need it. You know, but there's times when people turn and run. I, I've, seen, I've seen when people get saved, it's crazy. It's usually, it's usually like this. The, the, the black sheep of the family gets Jesus, gets born again, gets set on fire. And everybody used to blame the black sheep, you know. Oh, all their carousing, all the stuff that they've done. Oh, he's the black sheep. Oh, then they get saved and set on fire. And they're so upset that, they're, that that person is now walking in righteousness and truth that the family comes together to try to resist them. Like, hey, you shouldn't be going to that church. Who do you think you're doing? What do you mean tithing? Are you out of your mind? You've joined a cult. I mean, it's crazy the stuff that happens. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, Jesus said that. Jesus said, if you leave father and mother, you'll receive many times more in the kingdom. Come on. I'm not saying you deny your family, but really the greatest relationship you have is Jesus. And if they don't like it, they can lump it. I mean, that's basically it. You serve God with all your heart. And if somebody doesn't like it, well, they'll they'll, they'll understand a little bit later on, hopefully before they die. The issue is not what you're, what you're, you know, whether you're in the crowd or not. The issue is whether you're walking with the Lord, even in the dark hours of your of of time, even at your Gethsemane, even at your Ziklag before Zion's. Fight on when others run. Fight on when others run. One of the one of the keys for my wife and I. Listen, I want. I just, let me just say this. I, I wanted to quit so many times. Some of you know my testimony. I'm not going to get into all that. But I had, I had some pretty hopeless situations, uh, at least in my own mind. Isn't that how that is? That's where the battle is in your mind. I had some pretty hopeless scenarios. I mean, I'm in my 20s, and I'm riding a bike and living at my mother's house. That was, that's cool now. It was not cool then. And uh, I had a bigger picture for my life than riding a Schwinn, living in my mama's house in my mid-20s. You know, bad. Right. Right. And uh, I just, I, I would have quit, honestly, except something happened to me. I knew that nothing outside of God was good. Somehow that happened for me. Somehow I realized that if I turned and ran, that it would be utter destruction. And so even though it was painful, and I wanted to quit, and nobody liked me, and I had a stupid Schwinn that couldn't even shift gears, you know, I, 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 I like had nothing except I had health. And even at times I didn't even have that. Wow. That Scripture. Will you leave also? Jesus said to the disciples, and he said, where, where are we going to go, Lord? Amen. You alone have the words of eternal life. Amen. I know this is crazy, but I was, I was weeping and crying, and I had a vision of a cowboy boot. Any cowboys out there? You lie. You ain't cowboys. All right. I'm just teasing. But you know what a cowboy boot Anybody know what a roping heel looks like? It's angled. So I'm, I'm told it's angled. I'm not a cowboy, but I like, I like boots. I like I. I like cowboy stuff. I like horses. Horsies. <laughs> it's angled so that when you're roping and you stick your heels in it, it, it's supposed to dig a little bit. Right? And so my father had a pair of these when I was growing up. And I used to look at them. They were huge. They were only size 9. But they seemed like they were a size 100 when I was a kid. And I'd look at these cowboy boots. that had a roping heel on it. And so I'm weeping before the Lord in the early days of my salvation. And I saw a cowboy boot. And I know what it meant. I know it meant dig your heels in. And the Lord said, you're going nowhere. You stay here. Amen. You stay right here. Because I did geographicals. You know, the thing about you know, geographicals. That's like you move to get away from your problems. Yes. Let me give you a little revelation I had. Um, everywhere you go, no matter where you move, right. there you are. Right. Come on, someone say, stay put. Come on, keep fighting when others run. Say it, keep fighting when when others run. The third thing here, how to win in the day of trouble, how to have victory. Clench the sword so hard you become one with it. Let me define that. So he fought so hard for for this field full of lentils that his hand froze. And I don't really understand that medically. Maybe a doctor can help me with that. But his hand froze to the sword. The sword is a picture of God's word. And I want you to turn to Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 6. Eleazar, by the way, his name, you know what it means? Mighty Divine Helper. Or my help comes from God. But Mighty Divine Helper, I like that better. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. You know, there is some things worth giving your life for. And the kingdom of God is, is that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, another version says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God. And he goes in, and my wife's been teaching along these lines on Saturday mornings with all the women. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, verse 13, that you that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth. And it's as if, as he's looking at this, and I'm not going to go through all of the components of this because it's really like a whole series. It's as if the apostle Paul is looking at a Roman soldier and then taking the, the components of his armor and describing them according to biblical truth about our weapons. And it talks about the sword of the Spirit. Stand firm then, verse 14. Truth buckled around your waist, breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you'll extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You'll notice that all of these, well, the shield could possibly be an offensive weapon, but all of them are mostly defensive, except for the sword. And what he's doing, he says, we wrestle not. Now, I've talked about wrestling, right? So he's saying, it's not a wrestling match. So it's not a wrestling match. If, if I tie up with somebody, if I tie up with somebody to wrestle, it's like me against them. He's saying, no, that that's not it. He said, it's not a wrestling match. It's like the warfare of Rome. It's it's like Rome's armies, which is different. Roman soldiers would fight together from the time they were young. And they they fought into their 60s if they lived that long. And when a Roman soldier would fight next to somebody for a long time, listen, Pastor Vince, I know you. You know me. You know my weaknesses. You know my strengths. I know your weaknesses. I know, your, I know yours too, Minister Ava. And you know mine, right? And we're family. Come on. And, and they still love me, and I love you too, right? And we're committed, right? I mean, I'm picking on you, but I could pick on a n- number of folks. Some of you don't get close enough for people to know you because you don't think that they're going to like you. The truth is we all have issues. We all need to love people and see them through the blood of Jesus. That's a revelation for somebody. Maybe they're online and not here. If you don't let somebody close... If you don't let somebody close, and they won't be able to help you in your weakness. Amen. So would you come here, Pastor Vince? And uh, a Roman Romans would fight here. Just face everybody. Be a good looking man, right Thank there, you. Brother Gil, right here. And I've done this illustration before, and I know you too. Not as long, but I know you, and you know me, and we've been through some stuff. We trust each other. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my life. This these guys happen to be on my staff. But the truth is, we ain't in it for a paycheck. It ain't about being part of a staff. It's about getting the job done, reaching the lost. So we're not, we're not doing this so that we, this is a job. They'd have quit long ago if it was a job, you'd have quit. It's a calling, very different. And I wouldn't suggest you go get a job in the ministry to just go be something else. Way too many challenges. The rewards are out of this world, though. Amen. Amen. So Pastor Vince, these guys know my weaknesses. The, the strength of a, a Roman army is not in how powerful the one guy was. It's how powerful they are together as a team. And they, they, they had all of these components, which most of them are defensive, and then the sword. And the, and the sword would be used for stabbing, of course, and blocking shots. But if your, if your shield got laden with arrows... And you had so many arrows in your shield. I mean, they would fight so long together that they knew when somebody's getting tired. They knew when the, when the guy to the right or the left or their different weaknesses, or maybe he knew that in one of the battles he had an injury in his left hip or his right hip. And now the, 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 it, the line breaks on this side and somebody starts coming from the Right? And I know that he's weaker on the right side. We would switch. They'd switch. He'd take the middle. Now I'm strong on my right. So he doesn't have to use his, his injured side, do you understand? They, they work together as a team. The power of God on all of us is far greater than the power of God on any one person. Understand this. We wrestle. We're wrestling not. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we, we war as an army, like the Roman army, if you can, as brothers and sisters in Christ, bearing one another's burdens. So when our shields come up and they lock in place, you can't break through that. Oh, you might be able to get through me, but you ain't getting through all three. I'm a double dare you. Ain't gonna happen. And that's the strength of the church. Thank you, gentlemen. That's the strength that we have. And this sword, if you're gonna win in the day of battle, you're gonna have to learn to wield the sword of the word. And it's not by yourself. although there are Gethsemane moments. Many times they come, but you have to learn to fight as a part of a team. You have to develop covenant relationships. And I'll tell you, if you're not committed to that, then you're not gonna make it. But see, if you don't have covenant relationships with people that tell you you got something stuck in your teeth, you got some lipstick stuck out there, you need to fix that, girl. If you don't have relationships with people that are that are deep and not surface relationships, if you don't cultivate those those so somebody who'll speak truth, somebody who's not afraid of hurting your feelings. If you have people all around you that are the yes people, you ain't going to make it. Amen. You have to have people around you like that, that know your weaknesses, that know your strengths, that you can, listen, if I need mercy, I know, I know where to run. Pastor Vince, we call him Pastor Vince the Merciful. Amen. What an incredible gift of mercy he has. Now, if you want judgment, you just go to Minister Ava because she's prophetic, and prophetic people are very often black and white. It's not that Pastor Vince isn't. He is. But he's got a tremendous gift of mercy. I don't really have a gift of mercy unless the Lord puts it on me, which he does when I need it. But if I need mercy, I go right here. If I want some comfort, when I've, when I've messed up or made a mistake, Pastor Vince will be like, man, it's all right, Pastor. It's gonna be all right. God's gonna work it all for good. He's gonna work it all for good, praise God. Oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Talk to Minister minister, she would be like, oh yeah, you jacked up, you messed up. <laughs> yeah, but how many of you know you need to hear it straight? It's not that mercy is not straight. Do you understand what I'm saying? We all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have anointings. But the anointing on every one of us together cannot be defeated. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We will reach the lost. We will see a revival when we contend. When we contend like one man for the faith. The only unanswered prayer of Jesus, there's only one unanswered prayer, and it's John 17. That they may be one as we are one. The body of Christ is fractured. And, many, and oftentimes the church is fractured. Because people are so wounded, they're not willing to let their, to let their guard down. They've been gutted like a, like a salmon so many times. They're just like, I don't feel like being gutted anymore. It's one of the reasons pastor's wives are so weird. No, mine's not weird. And honestly, I'm not, and I don't know about any other pastor's wives around here either. So don't look at me like that. I'm just saying generally speaking, and you all know it's true. Generally speaking. Because they have so, they've been backstabbed so many times. You know, women can be cruel. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Little cutting things. Little things they say. Little things they don't say. Little looks. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And if you've been wounded by... Listen, I know ladies that can't have relationships with other ladies because they're sick of being hurt. Be the answer. Get to know healthy people. I I was talking to Someone recently, and they they're on a merry-go-round with one of their friends. You know what I mean by that? It's like okay, so this person has hurt them again. Okay, mean, cruel, bitter, angry, uh, holds on to that for a day, manipulates using emotional, you know, emotional manipulation, um, emotional blackmail. So I'm not going to talk to you. It'll be <laughs> if somebody ain't going to talk to me, and after I've done my best to to you know ask them for forgiveness, whether they don't want to talk to me, dude, we're done. I mean, I love you, Amen. But you're at a distance now, so you, you not talk to me if you want to. I love you, praise the Lord. We, you know, we're just going to have to wait till you get healed, because I'm not doing the emotional blackmail thing. I did that long ago. I'm all done with that. I'm mean, going to do the arm twisting discipleship. I don't want to be able to do that. Okay, fine. Let me pray for you and bless you. No, don't pray for me. Okay. so i was talking to somebody that's on a they haven't learned yet because they're young oh that's probably you know young doesn't mean age it's maturity so there's many people that allow themselves to be emotionally blackmailed and they, they stay in that bondage of a relationship. Listen, don't have friends. If, if people don't like, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. And if there's people that want to try to manipulate you and hurt you and pull you through a knothole hole, or get you to feel all guilty about the way that you did or what you, what you did or what you didn't do or try to get money out of you for whatever, listen, you need to like minister to that person, but you don't bring them close. Listen, Jesus wasn't close to everybody, right? Who was he close to? Faith, hope, and love. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. He was close to Peter, James, and John. They were in the room when he, went, when he raised a girl, the 12-year-old from the dead, and he kicked everybody out. They were they, you know, up on the, on the, uh, the uh, transfiguration. Not everybody was up in the transfiguration, right? Right? Okay, so he had 12 disciples, but he had the three really close ones. You have people that are close. Don't let people that are wounded and hurting and broken and emotional blackmailers up close to you. How did we get on this? This must be for somebody. I don't think this is in my notes. Holy Ghost. Love people, forgive them, but for God's sake, don't marry it. And if you have people that are constantly like that in your life, you know, some people are so addicted. I am totally off the notes. But this is going to help somebody. Some people are so addicted to drama. No, but because, well, listen, here's why. Frequently. It's because they're raised in a home that has a lot of drama. And they get, they get printed. They get imprinted by drama. Listen, those of you, you got little kids, you better get the strife out of your house, honey. Brother, you better get the strife out of your house or you're going to print your little child with the same drama that you were raised with. You stop it. Knock it off. Don't talk about people and have all kinds of explosive upsets and yell in front of your little baby. You got to get a hold of yourself. Come on, get healed. Get some counseling. Get, get delivered. Get, get, some, get some healing. Right? Okay. So they've been imprinted so many times raising up in a home. So, I mean, that is the, that's the default setting. I, I use Word uh, as a, you know, for documents and typing and stuff like that. My, I don't know how to change the default setting on the font for Word, but I, lo- I like using Times Roman. I don't know why that is. Roman, Bible, I don't know. I just like it. And some people hate Times Roman. I use Times Roman. I don't know what the default begins with the an A and I can't pronounce it. Yeah, that one, Ariel. Just reminds me of the fish or whatever. that I don't like it. I don't like it. So I'm so I don't know how to change the default setting on my Word documents. Now maybe one of you folks can help me to figure that out. But when I'm typing, I start doing my notes. I always have to I always have to change it to Times Roman. Somebody have a default setting of drama. I mean, it's just like if it's not going through the roof or some kind of explosive thing or accident or something that happens, which is can very many times be tied back to a curse, then you you don't you know you're just not like normal unless something's going wrong. And if it's calm, it's just like, something's wrong. Not because you raised your whole life or you've cultivated it. Maybe you weren't raised that way, but you've learned to have that. And this person I was talking to is on this, this merry-go-round or this roller coaster with this person. And I just told him, I said, listen, why don't you just get off the roller coaster? Amen. Just get off the carousel. Let them play by themselves. I was... Uh, uh, in, in the rooms, as they call it. And a guy was testifying about how he had gotten clean and sober and all of this. And, and he uh, was just, he was losing his mind. So his sponsor, how many of you know what that is? They have sponsors and some of these programs. And the sponsor said, okay, here's what I want you to do. You're clean and sober for about six months. You're losing your mind. Here's what I want you He lived in the inner city. He said, I want you to take your TV and I want you to unplug it. It wasn't like the big 80-inch flat screen, okay? It's like, you know, one of those smaller ones with the tube. Do you remember that? You remember turning? Does anybody remember? Do you remember the first remote control that had two buttons? Anybody remember that? Okay. So take your TV. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll take my TV. He says, take your TV, unplug it, put it on top of your shoulder. He says, all right, I'll do that. Put it, put it on top of my shoulder. He says, then I don't want you to do is that I want you to go down your hallway. And I want, he lived on the fifth floor of a brownstone in New York City. He said, I want you to take that TV and go right down the stairs. Don't take the elevator. Take the stairs all the way down. Go out to the street. Go down to the sidewalk. Go down the sidewalk. Do you know where you do you know where that, you know, that alleyway is? He says, yeah, I know that. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, I know where it is. He says, "I want you to take your TV and you go down in that alleyway and you run with all your might with that TV." Go ahead. Let me know how it goes. Well, the guy the guy goes home. He's like, "Oh, man, that's this is unusual. It's like some strange therapy, but I'm going I I'm I'm, I'm going to take a TV. And I'm I'm going to run." Oh my gosh. Okay. So, he he takes his TV. He takes his TV and he puts it Well, oh, that's like a Bible. Uh huh. Go to the gym for something, I think. Okay, so he puts the TV on his shoulder, and he's like, "Okay." And he's walking down the hallway. And he passes somebody that's that's in the you know in his in his in his apartment building. And he's like, "Hi," and they're like looking at him. And he goes down. He gets downstairs. There's people staring. And he runs down. He runs down the the alleyway, and he runs. And he's like, and he gets down, and he's like and he gets back. And he, and he puts the TV on. I was like, "Whoa, yeah!" And he realizes, "Why am I so excited?" So he calls his 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 sponsor, and the sponsor says, "How do you feel?" He says, "Man, I feel good. I feel really good." He says, "That's because you're addicted to drama. You need to be healed." If you're here tonight, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're going to have to get set free from that stuff. Don't wrestle the enemy. Get a part of the army of God. Tying it back into the Roman understanding of warfare that Paul's telling the, the Ephesians church. It's not by yourself. You've got to get healed. Years ago, I was broke. I had my money invested in other areas. It's another way of saying broke. <laughs> so I'm praying, I'm interceding for God to give me money. Dr. Michael Gannon walks up to me. I will never forget it. He says, oh, oh you need money. I said, what? He says, yeah. And he pulls, out, pulls a $100 bill out. He says, man, the Lord told me to give this to you. And I said, oh, no, I can't take that. He said, "What?" "Why not?" I said, "No, no." He said, "Oh, your receiver's broken." <laughs> so he folded up the hundred, put it back in his pocket. He said, "Let me pray for you." And he prayed that God would heal me. See, I had a it's 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 pride turned inside. It's like humility, but it's really pride. It's it's a shame-based pride. That makes itself to try to be the humble, but but really Really, it's pride. And so I said, oh, no. He said, let me pray for you. And he prayed that and had some prophetic prayer to pray, some healing. Something shifted in me. He said, in Jesus' name and the Lord touched me. And I thought, wow, awesome. I'll take it. Thank God for the Dr. Michael Gannon. Thank God for the Pastor Vince, for the Minister Ava. Thank God for Susie and Johnny and Jim. Thank God for the, come on, thank God for people that will speak truth to you, minister to you, lay hands on you, break the devil off of you, people that will speak the truth to you. You will not make it in the day of trouble if you don't establish relationships and learn to work as a team. There's no I in team. Almost done. Shama fought in this harvest field. Listen, the harvest is worth it. Keep your eyes on the harvest. That's also a key for, for, for me and my family and those I'm discipling, which, of course, is you and those you've been around. One of the keys of, of staying sharp is because you can be pulled aside by the emotional blackmailing. You can be pulled aside by the, by the gnats, you know, and the, the different things that are out there to try to take your attention, off of off of the ball. My dad used to say, son, in all sports, all ball sports, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. And whenever I would play sports, I would just, it's like my dad whispering, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. When you keep your eye on the ball, you can connect with the bat. If you take your eye off the ball, you ain't going to connect. You don't connect, you don't get a hit. You don't get a hit, you don't get on base, you don't get on base and the team doesn't get to move forward and you don't win right? In your life, keep your eye on the harvest. It is about souls. It's about winning the lost, and it's worth every bit of bloodshed. It's worth every dollar. It's worth everything you have. If God gave his one and only begotten son for the lost, then I think we ought to give our everything too. Somebody says, well, tithing is, tithing is Old Testament. It's not new, which we've just proven many times. But let me just say, okay, so it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. Yeah, good. Then just give him everything. He owns everything. You live on 10%. Try that. Keep your eye on the harvest and fight for it. Everybody say fight for it. Keep in mind that the Lord is working through you. Verse 10 and 11, the Lord, 10 and 12, the Lord is with them. God's with you. God's with me. God's with us. We're, we're doing this thing together for the Lord. It is His dream. What if, what if God had a dream for your life? What if he had a dream for your life and you begin to understand what that dream is? And then you begin to believe it. And then you begin to take everything that's within you to move forward towards the dream. Not, not looking at the naysayers. Not listening to, to the voice of the enemy or even your flesh. But believing God and his word. Speaking it forth. The integrity of God's word. That God said he could do it. What would happen if a people would believe like that? I'm telling you he's raising up a generation like that. I'm almost done. All of it's an act of worship. You know, David pouring out the water. It's an act of worship. I love the love for David's mighty men that they had for, for David. Kind of an organ person? What commitment. What, what covenant relationship. They just wanted to do anything to encourage their leader. Man, we all need to be like that. And then David, how he worships the Lord. He pours out this water from the well of his hometown. God's speaking to us very simply tonight. We're in a great battle. You can win. Don't be intimidated by the fight. Don't, don't be intimidated by the fight. Don't, don't let them run off. Don't be intimidated by the task that's at hand. It's telling somebody the, the story of our deliverance from all of our debt. God wiped out all our debt in one day. It was a miracle. It took 14 years of faithfulness, I might say. In other words, 14 years of, of panic, being faithful, on and on and on. And then after that, poof. If some of you, well, if God loves me, He just wipe out my No, maybe he loves you enough to build some character in you so that you could actually learn to handle your finances so that when you're blessed, you don't blow up like so many do. He's more, he's more, he's more concerned about your character than you just getting out of your pain. Like if I just be out of my pain. Listen, some of you get out of your pain, you get right into it. You're on the merry-go-round. You need to get off. He's so addicted to pain, so addicted to torment and upset and Rejection need to get off of that, and get healed, get, learn who you are in Christ. He's accepted you in the beloved. He's, he's broken down the dividing wall. He, he's made a way out of no way. He took your sin. He threw it as far as the east is from the west. You're accepted. You're adopted. Come on to as many as believed in him. He gave them the right to become children of God. I'm a child of God. Not everybody's a child of God. Only those that are born again. Hello? I don't like that. Yeah, I know because you swallowed some, some some pill from some secular humanist that said that everybody's a child of God. No, God made everybody knit them together in their mother's womb, whether they thought it was an accident or not. He knit them together, everybody. But you become adopted, you become grafted in when you repent. And if you don't live, learn to overcome the intimidation, then you will you'll shrink back and and you'll and you'll fail. Come on, say I'm not gonna be intimidated. Not gonna be intimidated. Say it again. Not gonna be intimidated. I'm I'm gonna start. You know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Start. Some of you got so much debt, start. Cut up your credit cards, start dealing with it. Hello? Hello? Tithe. Cut up your credit cards. Start living within your means. Try that. I don't like that. I know. Because you you do retail therapy. Fight on when others leave. Listen, I used to say this, and I still say it. Nobody can get me out of church. There's no way that anybody could drive me out. You know why? Because they didn't get me here, and I ain't here for anybody else. No, no, don't hear that the wrong way. I'm not, of course I'm here. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'll, I'll do anything I can to help you. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that I I'm, I'm never going to give up on the church because it was God's idea and he's the one that brought me here. Amen. And he's the one that healed me and he's the one that set me free and he's the one that redeemed me. Amen. And so when somebody comes to stick a knife in your back, listen, it's, does anybody, anybody like fried eggs? Okay. I like fried eggs, but I can't stand when they, I don't like pans that they stick to. So I use a lot of butter and coconut oil, all kinds of stuff. And my eggs my slide around those things. And I, I flip them, too, like that. I don't, I don't hardly use a spatula. Lots of grease. Amen. Glory, Glory to God. And I get them swirling around. Didn't go so good this morning, but they start swirling around. And I flip them. Thank you, sir. I can't stand a pan that sticks. Listen, I've had people to try to backstab me this last week. Didn't work. Because I'm Teflon. Do you understand? You're supposed to live above offense. If you can get offended easily, listen to me. I'm almost done. I'm trying to close. Jesus, help me. The offense, you know when you, you know somebody has a hair trigger or they just get angry or they get, you know, something happens all of a sudden their face just goes tilt. That's because they're wounded in some other area. And when somebody reacts that way or when you react that way, it means that you're unhealed in some part of you. You never have something happen where you smell something, and somebody looks at you all of a sudden, it's like it reminds you of your', you know, your, your lost, your relative that passed away. it, it hits, a, it hits a, a trigger for you. And that's OK. You can grieve and that's good. But when, when, when you, a trigger goes off and you get angry and want to kill somebody, that, that's not good. You need healing. Hello. So when you're going through this walk in the body of Christ, becoming part of God's army, and you all of a sudden have something that hurts you, that means you're already hurt. Usually. I've had people spit at me. All that. Listen, the people that can really hurt you are the ones that are super close to you. That's why you want to bring in Peter, James, and John, and you don't want to bring in Jezebel. You understand? You don't want to... Peter, James, John, and, and, and Freddy Krueger were my friends. I wasn't saved back then. Yeah. Freddy Krueger, Peter, James, and John. What's wrong with that picture? The guy that wants to hurt you. Maybe you need to distance yourself. But even as you discover that maybe you've got a little sticky place in your Teflon, it could be that you need healing. clench the sword. Learn the word. Wage war with the word. I'm almost done. Be a part of the army. Amen. Keep your eyes on the harvest. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep in mind the Lord's working through you. And then keep in mind that everything's an act of worship. Corporately, listen, we have to be committed to what God's called us to do. We have to be committed. And I believe we are. I wish I was preaching this Sunday morning, but it's what he gave me today. Be committed. And for those who are committed, those who are willing to do their part, God will reward and bless you beyond anything. Not not just in this world. I mean in the age to come. We're living for another age, ladies and gentlemen. It's about souls. Say it. It's about souls. Some things are worth fighting over. Souls are worth fighting over. You know what else is worth fighting over? Little or nothing. Have an eternal view. Did you get something? Stand up on your feet. Come on, stand up on your feet. Lift your hands. Lift your hands to Jesus. Let him speak to you. like you, Jesus. There's no one like you. You redeemed me. You healed me. You set this heart free. You renewed my mind with your word. And you called me. The good work that you've begun, you will complete into the day of Christ, Jesus. This day of trouble shootings, wars, rumors of wars, you have placed us, placed us square in the middle of it to be a people that redeem the nations, a people that walk in authority to contend for the fields are white with harvest. Say not four more months. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust forth laborers into the harvest field. I want to call you to commitment tonight. What do you mean by that? I'm going to call you to commitment to running the race. To, to doing your level best to stay unoff, to stay unoffended. Live above offense. Or be sidelined until you can get over it. You want to go around the mountain for another 40 years? Go for it. But I would suggest you don't. I'm going in. Anybody else want to go in? I'm going in. Commit yourself to relationships commit yourself to the Word of God. Commit yourself to prayer. Commit yourself to not be intimidated, to move forward, to clinch the sword with all your might to be a person that keeps fighting on when others run. Commit yourself. Commit yourself to finish the race. If you say, amen, I'm committing myself. Come up front. Come. That's pretty broad. Yep, I know. But there's something about a moment in an altar where you're saying, yeah, I'm committing myself to souls. I'm committing myself to finishing the race. And if you can't make it up here, it doesn't mean you're not committed. Come all the way up to the stairs. It doesn't mean that. But there's something about movement and saying before the Lord, come on, you just talk to him. Say, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm going to start. I'm gonna, I will not despise a day of small things. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what you called me to do. My family will be saved. Come on. Some of you just need to begin to throw some bombs over your family. My whole family will be saved. My whole family will be saved. Say it. My whole family will be saved. It's God's will. Come on, say it. It's God's will. It's God's will that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. I pray in Jesus' name that not one of my family would perish, but they would all be born again, filled with the Spirit, and fulfilling their God-given purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, say hallelujah. Ask for the encouragement now. Spirit of encouragement, spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation. Just a few more moments, church, is done for tonight. I break off intimidation. I break off emotional witchcraft in the name of Jesus. Off of your people. I pray, oh God, that you would help us. I break, Lord, those, those tendencies to be loners. Lord, that you would build in this house healthy relationships. That we would labor together. That we would war together as one man contending for the faith. Build a depth of covenant relationships. I pray healing for those that are wounded. I pray, Lord, healing for those that have been rejected. I break off a spirit of rejection in Jesus' name. I pray healing for those who were patterned even in their homes. Through emotional abuse and upset. I pray healing. I pray peace like a river. Right now in the name of Jesus. Peace. Lord, to heal the offended places, that we would be like Teflon underneath your mighty hand. We'd live above offense. We wouldn't be offensive to others either. We'd be kind, gentle, and compassionate, long-suffering. We'd have the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, forgive us for where we've been so fleshly, carnal, forgetting that we're really supernatural people. Release encouragement in the midst of the battle for the enemy prowls around God. We bind him now. We take authority over darkness. We take authority over every curse. We declare and proclaim the truth of God's word, God's blood, the blood of Jesus is over us, over our families. There is no weapon that's formed against us that shall prosper and every tongue that rises against us shall be condemned. But that's the inheritance of the saints. Lord, thank you. Lord, we commit to see the vision come to pass. And if it, means, if it means death, then so be it. But we will not shrink back. We won't stop. We won't shut up. It won't, won't cave into smooth knees and apathy. We will see your plan come about in this generation, Lord. We will see it by the grace and the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. We will not shrink back. Release the gift of faith, God, even now over us building project and fill it, Philip, give us thousands and thousands and thousands of souls and churches planted all over the land, all over the earth. We thank you and praise you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. Those online, those listening by podcast, if you died, God forbid, today, do you know for sure that heaven would be your home? You, you must be born again. It's not enough just to believe. The book of James says that demons believe and tremble. Much of America believes, but there's no trembling. We need to believe, and biblical believing is receiving and repentance. Repent of your sin and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. If that's you, you want to receive Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment. You know you need to recommit because you're not as on fire as you used to be. You recommit your life tonight all across this place. Pray this prayer if that's you. And, and many of us are just going to affirm our faith. So come on, let's just pray all out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. and Come into my life. Make me new. And just as you rose again from the grave, Raise my life up now. That it would be said of me that I fulfilled all my purpose in this generation. Use me. Heal me. And help me to reach the lost. in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer.